Welcome on in. Welcome on in to the Leadership Podcast. The Leadership Podcast is where we will explore transformational power of personal leadership. We're going to deep dive into conversation with influential leaders, experts, and change makers who are reshaping the way we lead and inspire others. Our goal here on the Leadership Podcast is simply to influence, inspire, and empower men to make the shift in their personal leadership by becoming the best version of themselves. We will share tools, tips, and resources to ignite self-awareness and authenticity. It's all about helping men become more effective and impactful in their leadership. Get ready. The shift is about to take place. It's the Leadership Podcast with Dwayne Roberts. Unlock your true potential with the Leadership Community, where we empower men to embrace self-awareness and authenticity. Introducing the Leadership Community, where we believe in helping men become the best version of themselves. It all starts with self-awareness, and we encourage men to take a step back, pause, and reflect on their thoughts, emotions, and behavior. Embrace their authenticity and break free from societal expectations. Here are just a few testimonies from individuals. Leadership helped me develop self-awareness and embrace my authentic self. And now I feel more confident and fulfilled. Question, are you ready to unlock your potential? If so, join the leadership community today and embark on a transformational journey of self-discovery and personal growth. Leadership empowers men to become the best version of themselves through self-awareness and authenticity. You can learn more about the leadership community by visiting the webpage DwayneHRoberts.com. On today, man, we don't have a guest. We have a friend on, on today's leadership podcast. We're talking with Rob Lowman. Uh, Rob has been lifted from the rut and has been divinely freed from substance abuse since 2021. He has a deep passion for helping others live a transformed life. And in his own words, Rob says he's walking out his God-given purpose by doing what God has called him to do. Today, he helps restore hope, identity, and purpose to the addicted family. Help me give a warm virtual welcome to my friend, Rob Lohman. How you doing, Rob? Hey, I'm good. I'm good. How are you today? I'm doing my, well, my friend. So good to have you on the show. Good to be here. Man, you know, like I said, man, you you're no stranger here. Um, we done had you here before. We connected a uh, couple times in the community. Um, I love what you do. Um, and we, we kind of go back about a, a little bit over a year now, if I ain't mistaken. Yep, yeah, yeah. Well, year January is when we first met down at the symposium down at the Springs. Yeah, good stuff. So how you been, my friend? Good. Today's a good day. It's a beautiful day. I mean, I, I love, I, I live in Colorado and I love living in Colorado because it snowed two days ago a bunch and now it's gone. Actually, it snowed yesterday and now it's all gone. So yeah, imagine I don't know, fa family's healthy, dogs are healthy, uh, just busy helping people and just loving, loving life. That's what's up. Well, listen, before we get started, for those individuals who may not know who Rob Lowman is, please introduce yourself. Tell the people how you love to serve, my friend. Yeah, I will definitely do that. And, and if you're, for those that are listening, whether you're listening, you know, to the repeat and listening to five or 10 times, because, you know, Dwayne's just awesome in himself doing this. 
show that he does. You got to re-listen to these things. But first, I want you all to write down a website to go to freerecoverybook.com. Just go to freerecoverybook.com. Check it out. Something there for you. And why do I do stuff like that? Because I don't know, man. It was I just lived in the valley for so long, and the dark and like de- felt like the dark and destitute, the smoldering discontent for so long in my life. And uh, I just want to give stuff away to people and help people out. And along the way, I, I do a lot of other cool things too: um, interventions, coaching, speaking, writing books, just multiple m- multitude of ways to kind of reach people with really messages of hope. Because that's why I feel like God's really called me to speak in is to hope, identity, and purpose. Because I know we'll dive into the story more, but for so much of my life, I was in a dark place, but you couldn't see it, right? Because I had stuff together. I looked good. I had a job, you know, just things looked good on the outside, but inside I was this empty shell. And for me, that's even weird to say, because I grew up in a Christian home and had God and just really kind of good tools to maybe launch in a, in a healthy way. But I just, I just kind of went the other way. And um, so now I get to help share the story and testimony, hang out with guys like you and just share some hope. No, I love that. So good. Um, and I got it. I'm, I'm going to have to shout you out, man, because the, the addiction intervention, phenomenal book, brother. Phenomenal. Mm, thank you. And, and you tapped on something, too. Um, and it was part of one of the questions I wanted to ask. Um, and uh, you start this thing out and you say, uh, had you ever wondered what God's plan was for your life? Right. Um, God got that a simple plan from A to B. But you stated for yourself, you went from A to Z and everywhere yeah. in between. <laughs> yeah, so, I love that. I remember hearing something like that in like a meeting early on in recovery. And even in like the book, as you as you referenced, it's like having this little diagram in here, right? Of kind of God's plan A to B and just the chaos of addiction in the middle of that and the, the addiction intervention book that you were referring to. Yeah, it's it, one, one of the, I think one of the dangers in addiction and recovery is you hear people say a lot, well, man, if I just wouldn't have done this, then I could have done that. And if I wouldn't have gone, but we don't really know because when we, when, when I say things like that, man, if I just would have done this, that would have happened. Well, then I feel like I'm playing God because I don't know what would have happened if I would have done this or done that. Right. So, but, but it, it, you can sit there and ponder and regret and shame and guilt and kind of like, man, messages like, if I just wouldn't have screwed up so much, man, then man, my life would have been totally different. Well, how do you know? What if you became a huge success early on and then you were a workaholic and you just kind of took advantage of it? I mean, we don't know, but the reality is we're here today. Right? Yeah. Listen to this story, telling stories, we're here today. So today is it could be a day of change for people, mm. positively or negatively, to say, you know, I want to, I, I do want to change the direction of my life, but I feel like in the Bible, when it talks so much about, man, why do I keep doing the things I don't want to do and not do the things I want to do? It's this conundrum, but it's a spiritual battle that we're in in addiction and recovery and whether you're sober or not, they're just putting all these parameters in place, like having good coaches, having good counselors, having good programs, having stuff in our life that can keep us on the right path. So listening right now, I mean, you got, you got choice. You can listen to my story and say, ah, poo-poo, whatever, it doesn't relate to me, or look for the things that are similar and look for the things you want to change. Be like, man, I can identify with that part and just see what you're going to do to shift your change. That's so good. Yep. Um, I can identify with that. And what are you going to do to shift your change? Um, you say here too, yeah, I eventually made it to be, you know, um, and that's to the place where God was calling me from the beginning, you know, um, my thought process, that's, that's a place of purpose. Right. Um, and it sounds like t- even from, um, from the intro, 
um, that you found purpose. How important is it for people to identify where God is leading them through uh, as they come through these challenges that they face in life? Well, if we don't have a direction, a direction is going to be chosen for us. And sometimes that's good or bad. Like I remember in high school or middle school, you did those placement tests. Like, what, what would you be good at? Would you be a therapist, a counselor, a firefighter, a businessman? And all these things always channel back to counselor, helping others, stuff when I was a little kid, right? But then addiction right. took over, right? And so I felt like that was a purpose when I was younger. People always came to me with their struggles or problems, and we talk about them. And I found the ultimate solution for our problems. You ready for this? What's that? Drink them away. <laughs> and that 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 worked for a little while, but the problem is when I'd wake up the next day, the problem would still be there. So to be filled with purpose and and sometimes I mean life can change so fast. I mean, you know, last year was a very challenging year for me physically. And and it and I questioned things that like God's even called me to speak on, like hope, identity, and purpose. I mean, I I struggle with physical limitations to not be able mm-hmm. to do stuff. And what I what I learned through that, which was I have to be smart enough to learn. Mm-hmm. from my from my situations what i learned from that was um i can either look at this as an opportunity to grow and what does god have for me instead of why did this happen to me so it's oh, four yeah. and two two comp- two two different words but why did this happen to me or why did this happen for me that's good that's real good and 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 those are the questions you ask yourself um to really to, to navigate this space yeah man so, so what what was the answer to to why did this happen to me? Mm, man, that's those are always tough ones. How about last year or just in general? <laughs> Give me, um, just get. Let's go. Uh, well, let's keep it simple. Last year, let's just talk last year. Yeah, last year. You know, it was um, so I spent twenty twenty two really doing a lot of cool stuff and you know publishing two great books and that are out helping people and this kind of vision for what twenty twenty three would look like. And then in May of twenty twenty three, I had this neck and nerve injury in my leg and my neck and. It just limited me from stuff I could do. Mm-hmm. It was hard to focus. It was hard to sit still. Like just talking to you right now, that would have been hard to do last year, sitting in this chair for 45 minutes, just talking to you. Wow. Right. And just because just my body would start aching and it, and it would just cause me to not focus. So I, I feel like I lost a lot of momentum mm-hmm. in my life last year that I, that I had planned, but it was maybe, I don't, I don't know why it happened to me. I have no idea. Right. But but maybe it was, you know, I don't know. I mean, it was, I had a lot of time of reflection last year and I'm like, man, I can't do these things. I'm, I wanted to teach my daughter to play golf last year, but I couldn't really swing a club at all. Cause it would injure, you know, agitate my, so I just couldn't do certain things. So I had like this grieving process I had to go through last year. And I feel like I went through all the stages of grief. I can't list them off right now, but I was angry last year. I was confused. I was just like, man, what the heck? And, and in the middle of that, it's like, it's kind of like in the Psalms, it's this cry out like of like, why, what is going on? Why is this happening? But I know you're in it, God. So I had to come back to that moment of like, okay, there's a purpose in this. I don't know what it is, but, um, but yeah, so it was, it was one of those things of, I would play that thing of like, you know, God, why did, why did, why did this happen to me? Like, what's the point? You know I mean? I, my kids are young, they're 14 and 16 and my son, he's going to the gym now to work out and you know, he wanted me to go with him and I just couldn't. And, but what I never did is I never drank, you know, I used to drink and drug over stuff like this, but, but so in that, it was just kind of stepping into my faith a little bit deeper, questioning certain things and coming out of it stronger. But man, Dwayne, I mean, for a guy that loves to help pull people out of the rut, I was in this kind of shallow little valley and little rut last year, kind of off and on. And I couldn't figure out why, but I, I, I was struggling with mental health stuff. I was struggling with sleep. I mean, i 
slept a couple hours a night for four, five, six months. And that, how do you function on that? Right. So, but I didn't drink over, I didn't drug over, I didn't do, I didn't act out in certain ways that I shouldn't. And, and that was a difference, you know, that before it would have been a great reason to use that as an excuse because yeah. former, as a former addict and things in our addictions, we look for any reason to use like, Oh, that person looked at me weird. I'm going to go drink. I got a promotion. I'm going to go drink. So yeah, but I'm grateful for it, you know, but in the midst of it, it's, it's hard to kind of see what God's really doing or what's the point of this. That's real good because you, you also said in your book, uh, getting sober was the easy part, part. <clears throat> but living life on life terms, that's the challenging piece. And you said, you know, some of the challenges were that, hey, I was fighting mental health issues. I was angry all the time. Um, 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 in the book, you talk about feeling inadequate um, as a husband, a father and man, um, having these negative beliefs about uh, whatever I'm assuming about myself, about yourself, you know, so many men down that lane, you know, uh, feeling inadequate, um, don't not believing in themselves or where, where life is leading them because they're stuck in the rut. Speak to that for a a moment, Rob. Yeah. Well, there's different seasons of recovery also. You know, when I got, when I was sober and I was single, so I was just doing me. (laughs) If I wanted to go camping with people in recovery, I just went camping with people in recovery. Right. So, so early recovery was actually really easy. Because I almost killed myself through suicide the night before I got sober. Mm. And just a, a cool story we can dive into in a little bit as I answer this question. But but so that was like, oh my gosh, I almost died last night. And then the next day my aunt took me to an AA meeting and I found people in recovery that were happy, go lucky and free. And I'm like, I want that. So it was just kind of riding that cloud for a while. And so when you're kinda but then seasons change a little bit, you know, I Ended up meeting my wife, Jen, and we we got married in 2006, met and married in six months. And it was just a cool God story how we met. And then we got pregnant and had a miscarriage and got pregnant right away again. And then my son was born in 2007. So see, now I'm a husband and a father. Two big changes in responsibility from single sober guy to now married. And now, because I, I was shallow in my relationships and my addictions. So I was still immature. They say when you get sober, you're, when, you, when you start drinking and using hard, your brain kind of stops developing, right? And for most of us listening or in, in addictions, it started before our brain finished developing at age 26. So here I am sober at 29, like a 15-year-old kid. You know what I mean? And then I meet my wife and I was five years sober at that point. And just the progression of be, being a father and a husband and having these other financial responsibilities. But even though I was sober, I was still gambling. And that was my bad relationship with money, right? So here I am trying to get out of my holes with gambling, but I'm not drinking or drugging, you know, but I, but I could not really, I wasn't paying attention to, or I wanted to ignore the financial issues I was having because of this. And it just progressively kind of got worse and had, my daughter was born in 2010 and then the wheels kind of fell off later on because I wasn't going to meetings. I wasn't going to counseling. I wasn't going to Bible studies. I was just in my own little head. And if you don't understand process addictions and gambling, it's just a different world. And so, so that became a real challenging point for me, again, without any substances, but still dealing with self-loathing, self-hatred and all that. I love that. It's so good. And, and I hear you mention your wife a couple of times. Jen, was it? Her, was yes. her name? Yep, Jen. Yeah. Um, now, when you met her, 
because you said that it sounded like it's a beautiful love story there, right? But when you met her uh, and you were you were sober, was she, was she most was she in uh, addiction too, or did she no, understand? I'll give you the a, a good um, imagery of our relationship, right? So she's a normal person. I mean, she used to love alcohol back in her younger years, right? But but she doesn't have a she doesn't struggle with alcoholism or substances, right? But I remember when we were first dating. And we were at a friend of ours wedding out in Steamboat Springs. And, you know, Jen was there and she had had a glass of red wine. So she was looking at, just look like, look to the right, wherever you're sitting right now, look to the right and take a sip of your wine. Okay. You're talking to your girlfriend over there. And then you look over to your, your boyfriend. I think, I think we were engaged at the time or boyfriend. She looks over at me and she says, Hey, honey. So the <sighs> blows that red wine smell out. And she just goes, Hey, honey. And she turned to the left. And I literally pulled back from her and I was like, whoa, like I, okay, this is, it was weird because I literally was that, smelled a that red wine and yeah. I was like, whoa. And so we, it wasn't, it wasn't like a trigger to go drink or anything. It was just like the moment of like recoil, I recoiled like okay. as a hot flame. Right. Okay. And it was this thing where we just talked and we said, okay, if you ever drink or have wine or anything, then we're not going to make out. Right, because I don't want to taste it in my mouth. Come on, okay. And so we had to meet in the beginning. Had to kind of have that little boundary. I didn't care if she drank. I don't care if my friends drink. But because the the books of recovery talk about, we can go anywhere and do anything in our recovery as long as our spiritual conditioning is fit. Right. So it's just this boundary we had to put in as a couple. And uh, yeah, so she's a normie. She can have a glass of wine or not have one for six months, and it doesn't matter. I love that. So, to, and I, and I, I want to tip on this just a little bit too, because you talk about it um, for those, those men that's facing these, these challenges in addiction um, or whatever it is, having uh, implemented this boundary, um, it seemed to work. Was it difficult? What were some of the challenges? Um, was there some pushback, you know, and why was that putting that boundary in, uh, so important for you? Yeah, actually, no pushback. We both understood. Um, I mean, it was very clear that like, hey, that's a cool thing. We just kind of settled into that space of it. And so there wasn't anything, but but it was the ability to speak that out. Because, I mean, imagine your your girlfriend, your wife, your fiance, whatever you have in your life, and she comes to kiss you and you pull back. Like, what message does that send to her if you don't explain it? Wow, that's good. It's, I didn't even like, thought about it from that point of view. Yeah, it's like you were cute when you were drinking, when I was drinking, but now, you know, I mean, whatever, just uh, those things. So I had to verbalize that. So, to, so in, in essence, there, Rob, she, she could have taken it the wrong way is what you're saying. Oh, yeah. If I didn't say anything, I mean, imagine like going in for the kiss and you're like, whoa, yeah. and you're like, and then you get up and leave the room or something because you, you're too afraid to articulate it. That okay. would have been awful. But yeah, I was easily able to say, hey, babe, this is kind of the reality of our situation. She was cool with it. So, so when it, when this initially happened, what was her response? Did, did she, do you think that's how she responded? And therefore it bought this, it, it caused this conversation to happen, this authentic conversation to happen. Because to your point, what you said was, if, um, if I re, if I recall and recoiled and never said anything, this could only escalate it to probably go worse. Because to your point, every time you drink and you, you pull, I pull back. Now you, I'm helping you build. Uh, a thought process, a yeah. negative thought process, you know, God, yeah, you know what that's all about as a coach, you know, you got to articulate stuff. So no, it was just real. I mean, it was, it was kind of one of the immediate things of like, okay, well, um, I don't, I don't, I don't mind smelling wine, but when it like comes out of your mouth and you do the, mm. it's like blown into your face, not on purpose, but no, so it was good, healthy conversation. And, 
Yeah, and then our marriage was so easy after that. Just kidding. You know, life has its own struggles because we're <laughs> immature and and uh, and I never liked conflict or anything like that. But anyway, yeah, that was kind of how the things to took off. But as we had kids and all that kind of stuff and financial pressures, and I had a business and lost a business due to sales and production numbers, like all the negative messages I had. But right before I got sober, came into my life, you know, eleven years down the road without any substances that I struggled with some of that stuff too. So it's a continual work in progress. I mean, I'm 21 years, 22 years, you know, off of substances now. And I, you know, just started seeing a new counselor because I was coming out of my season last year. That was a tough one from mental health stuff of just grieving losses physically of things I couldn't do. So I'm seeking help to just kind of process that and unravel those things that are kind of still wobbling around in my head. Is that this is this that place of uh, feeling inadequate as as a father, husband, uh, because of some of the challenges you're facing today? Or? No, no, no. I've, I've worked through that. Like the inadequacy okay. stuff, it's more just the sadness of not going to the gym with my son to work out or not being able to swim anymore. I mean, 2022, I did this cool swim for recovery campaign mm-hmm. to raise money from my the nonprofit side of what I do, and it was I I basically published a um an interview of someone's recovery story every day. And I swam a mile every day. Oh, wow. In, in September of 2022. And I was going to continue that year after year, but I couldn't swim last year. And I still am not supposed to have swimming as my main thing. So for me, that was a, one of the financial hit a little bit because I like to help people out that can't afford recovery and things like that too. But also just, I love to swim. Like that has been healing in my entire life. I was a swimmer in high school. Although senior year, I gave swimming up. He was on the swim team? Oh, yeah. I was, but in senior year of high school, because I would go drink during lunch, sophomore, junior, and senior high school, senior year, I had to make a decision to either keep swimming or keep drinking. What was the decision? Keep drinking. Okay. Because if you look at the story of my life until I got sober, it's like if you put potential and alcoholism in the same room together, I mean, alcoholism won every single time in college to go become a doctor. I mean, it, it just won, and it kicked my butt. I allowed it to kick my butt way too often. Oh, man. Jeez. I like that. That's a, that's a powerful statement um, right there. I, allow, I allowed it to kick my butt. So, so in essence, you just continue to allow the storm to engulf you, the challenges yeah. of life, uh, the hardships of life. Here's something interesting I, I've learned here uh, since I've been living in Colorado. Um, in Colorado, we got both cows and buffaloes. The interesting thing, when the storm comes over the mountain um, and drops to the valley, the cows run away from or in the direction of the storm. Therefore, as they're running, they're in the storm, running at longer periods of time along with the storm. Right. However, the buffalo, the buffalo runs to the storm. Now, he still has to go through the same storm and hardships and headaches uh, as the cow. But as it runs in the opposite direction, it runs through the storm, right? I'm just wondering for, for yourself, gosh, what was that like for you? And How did you manage to come through that storm? What did it take to come through the storm? Part of it was a realization that I actually liked playing the victim in my life sometimes. Because that's comfortable. You know, when life's, I remember seeing a psychiatrist, not a psychiatrist. It was after I had my mental breakdown in recovery and ended up going to prison for a little while. We can talk about that later. But in that moment, I had to go see like these, you know, shrinks and therapists and stuff like, you know, what happened, right? 
And I remember sitting in this guy's office and he had a picture of a calm, calm, like lake with the sailboat in it right in front of me. Right. But over on this wall was a chaotic storm and the same sailboat in the sea. Right. He's like, Rob, you're used to this over here. You are used to the chaotic storm in the sailboat getting tossed around, thrashed around, all that. To, for me to get you from there over to this calm lake where the sailboat's just sitting there with no wind, it's going to take a while because you like this and you don't understand this. I thought, man, that's, that's really powerful visual. And so for me to be able to see that, you know, um, I allowed myself to step into the own struggles in my life and just be like, man, this is just comfortable. So I refuse to live there anymore. Amen. It's like right in front of my office desk here, there's a boat um, sitting on the water, still water. And it just reminds me of uh, in the Bible, but also John Ortberg's book called, if you want to walk on water, you got to get out of the boat. Okay. And last night I just watched some of the movie uh, series called the chosen, Mm -hmm. which is all about disciples and Jesus and everything. And, and it was just cool because it, it shows like when, when Simon was in the boat, right? And he fished all night long and, and he, there's no fish, there's no fish, there's no fish, right? And then he meets Jesus for this, the first time on the shore. And his brother, Andrew, was like, this is the Messiah. This is the one I told you about. He's like, but there was just some shift that happened because he knew he was in the presence of something different. And Jesus said, just throw your nets over the side. Simon's like, man, I've been... In his mind, he's like, I've been fishing all night. And he even said out loud, he's like, this ain't going to happen. But he throws his, his net over and just fills with fish. And they fill the whole boat with fish. And it's just this thing of like, only it can only happen through a miracle, right? And it's kind of like, Jesus just wants me to throw my net over the side of the boat and just trust him. So I had to learn how to trust because, see, early in recovery as a Christian, I thought my faith was really deep. But even the Bible talks about when I scatter my seeds amongst the rocks. My, my my roots are shallow, but when mm-hmm. I scatter them in fertile soil and water them and tender, take care of them properly, they will withstand any storm. So I've had to learn how to grow my roots deeper. And man, there are days I'm like, they're deep and days I'm just kind of like, do I even believe this stuff? I mean, it's just, it's just life happening, man. And, and, but I know what my life looks like when I'm focused on the solution. And I know what my life looks like when I'm focused on I guess, again, let, me, let me give the example again. Um, when Simon was walking on water and he looked at Jesus, he was just walking on the water. But once he looked around, saw the waves and felt the wind and saw the wind, he sunk immediately. But Jesus caught him. So I just got to remember that he's going to catch me every single time. And um, it's much more peaceful that way to live that way. And again, there are, I know when I look at it, sometimes my dogs can be my barometer. If they're walking away, running away from me in the house, I'm stressed. Oh, that's if good. They're coming and loving on me sometimes. It's kind of like okay, because I can have my moments still, but for the most part, I'm a peaceful guy. But you know, sometimes life just gets to you. So talking to the guys out there, it's like if I'm not talking to other guys about my life, that's why I'm part of great men's groups and have mentors in my life and everything. Mm-hmm. If I don't tap into that, it shows in my life. But when I do tap, when I when I either way, if I do or don't, it shows the appropriate way in my life. So. I choose to stay in the solution. I don't want to have those moments where I just explode out of nowhere like, you know, men do sometimes. Women do too. And that ain't just a men's thing. Women get angry too. That's good. No, you, you said something very powerful too. 
um, and um, what you brought to light was self-awareness. You know, um, with the, you used the analogy of the dogs um, when you realized that uh, you're out of character. The dogs yeah. walk away from you. Um, interesting enough. <clears throat> interesting enough. Um, I, I do the same thing, but I do it with people. I can I can walk in a room and I can tell if I said something that uh, offended somebody. And I'm talking about at home. Um, everybody get up and walk out. Mm. You, you know, and now I have to do the gut check. Like, what did I say? Yeah. What did I do wrong? Why how, how was I was I was I was I not self aware what was going on? What or did I communicate that wrong? Yeah. Oftentimes or not, I find out that I just communicated something wrong, right? Um, but this is a that's a powerful place. Uh, um, I want you to, I want you to speak to that some more because I think sometimes as men, uh, we we we're in these environments and we don't understand what's going on. But what we're not doing is the self check. Yeah, definitely and. There was a podcast show I was interviewed on years and years and years ago, right? And this was after prison, after getting kind of life back on track and everything and started my own podcast shows. And I was on this one show about anxiety and men's mental health, right? And there was a a period in my life before I kind of had my struggle in 2011 and 12 where I would get paralyzed by fear or anxiety or like what to do next. And, and I, I started self-harming myself out of nowhere. It's just something that happened, right? To a point where it was just kind of like a normal thing that I would do to myself to snap myself back to a moment of functioning. And it was a space where I just out of nowhere, I, I ended up hitting myself in the head, the side of the head one day. And because I, I just, I couldn't move. It was just kind of like, I didn't know what to do. And it, and it gave me this dopamine hit. It gave me this, fired up my neurotransmitters, just fired everything up my brain. I was, oh, okay, now I can get functioning. So long story short, after the fire happened and after I ended up going to prison for a little while and sought therapy, I, I, fi- I shared this story once with a counselor and she totally shamed me. Like, why would you do that to yourself? Why would you hit yourself in the head and hurt yourself? And, and I never told anyone that again until years later. And I'm on this podcast show and I just felt like God prompted me and with these five other men. And I just said, hey guys, I need to share something with you. There was this period of my life where I was really struggling and I shared kind of that story and and I had continued to do that stuff to myself. And, and I said, I, don't, I just don't know if other guys have ever dealt with this before. But what I hear you guys saying is you guys have struggled a lot with, with anxiety and depression and just self-hating on yourself. And, and four of the other five dudes on the show all said, man, I've done that before. One guy wow. said, I still do that to myself. Wow. And Dwayne, I literally like wept on the show. And I was like, thank you. That yeah. was a gift to me. Realizing that other men struggle with this in isolation, mm-hmm. and two of the other guys, I think, if I remember correctly, I have to go listen to it again. They had never really shared openly that they had struggled with that, also. Mm. But because God prompted me to share the story, then I shared it with them. Four of the other five guys had the same issue, and who knows how many guys listened to that show said, "Okay, whether you're sober or whatever, it doesn't matter." But if we are not pouring into other men, other individuals, and allowing ourselves, allowing myself to be poured into. And I stay in my little place where the enemy wants me, hating on myself. But now what I do is I 100, 100% believe what God says about me and who I am. Oh, that's good. <laughs> and, if, and if anything comes against that, Dwayne, it's, it's yeah. a lie from the devil. It's a lie from the enemy. And that's where, that's where he wants me is to be stuck in the lie. And I refuse to stay there. I go there. But I refuse to stay there now instead of self-loathing and dealing with suicide ideation and all that other stuff that kept me down. Like, I'm done with that. Well, God, uh, hold on. 
I was freed from that. Amen. Amen. That's so good. Um, to, and, and to your point, just to reiterate, um, yeah, men, I think men need a community of men, strong men who are willing to be vulnerable enough to express their, their limitations. Yeah. Um, you know, um, and so I thank God for that. But then here, here is the power you, you thought you were, you thought you were the only one, Yeah. <laughs> you know? So how many men, um, out here in the world, uh, what's the word flapping? That's the word I want to use yeah. flapping around, not connected to other strong men, men who are emo- uh, developing an emotional intelligence and uh, a healthy outlook on what healthy masculinity looks like. Sure. Um, um, and they're missing, they're missing, they're missing uh, the potential to to really release some troubling behaviors and get some clarity to realize that one, you're just not, you're not by yourself, man. I can only imagine what that room was, what that that felt like, uh, what happened next, and that. I'm interested. I'm just oh. curious to know what happened next when when everybody started talking. It was cool. Well, one thing I realized is I've struggled with anxiety a majority of my life, which I never could put a, a word to it. You know, I mean, when you're anxious or something like that, then I'll take substances or something. But it was just, it was good. We all just kind of bonded in that moment. And oddly enough, I have a lot of stuff around my office. I was going to, I'm going to grab this one thing real quick. So I know you don't like silence on podcast shows, but hold on, let me grab this real quick. Do your thing. (laughs) This is something I got from, uh, from my men's group here called The Way here in Colorado. And I think this kind of depicts what we're talking about here. You know? Is those soldiers? Yeah. 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 It's just like picking a brother up. Yeah. And allowing yourself to be picked up. Yeah. You know, picking a brother up and just, and it's just this thing I have right next to my desk here and hold, other hold stuff on my wall. Rob, just, I can't let you pass by this because you said something again, bro. You just like dropping these little secret nuggets that <laughs> men are missed, bro. <laughs> it's, it's one thing to be, it's one thing to pick somebody up and support them. But there's another thing about being the one to allow someone else to support you. Right. And how many guys are at this place where they just, oh, I'm good. You know how many guys I talk with and you can tell that they're, they're dealing with something, um, anxiety, depression, uh, something's on their mind, but they won't talk about it. They're having hardships. They can't figure out why they can't connect with their kids or their wife, their spouse, significant other, whatever that looks like. And the only thing they say to you is, oh, well, I'm good. I, you know, I don't, I don't need no, I don't need no help. Talk to this right here. Talk to this. Please talk to this. What does it take for a man to relinquish control and allow others to pick him up? Wow. Well, one, it's like a a silent vacuum because a lot of guys don't want to do that. Right. And this illusion of control, there's, I think there's this illusion of control that as men, we have that we're trying to control all these different environments in our life and compartmentalize them. And I think, let me give you the best, the best example I can look at this is I just talk about like our brain is like a waffle. Okay. And I look at this as I'm going to go back a minute to, I've alluded to prison a couple of times and stuff like this before. Right. And leading up to what happened on February 14th or one thirty in the morning, February 15th of 2012 was all the stuff of leading up to exactly what you're talking about. I thought I was try, trying to take control of my life through gambling or manipulating people or the situation and not talking about it. So what happens? You isolate. So I isolated from good stuff that was in my life that got me to where I was already, you know, and I would, and I would self-loathe and just believe these things because I don't want you, Dwayne, or anyone else to see how flawed I am. 
Yeah. Because that's a sign of weakness, right? But it's actually a sign of strength. Yes. Yes. You know, and in that moment, it was just, it was all these things going on and just believing like you suck, you failed and stuff like that. But I'm not going to show you I suck and I failed. I'm going to walk the walk. I'm going to, I'm going to basically walk what I don't believe. There we go. We're not going to live the value. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so in this moment, you know, I was dealing with suicide ideation again, and, and this is all leading up to this time, but I wasn't talking to anyone about it. And this evening we watched this movie. It's a very, it's a great movie about redemption. You know, a guy is called seven days in utopia. If you ever seen it, it's a golf movie, right? And this guy, like he and his dad just never saw eye to eye. Even if he won a tournament, his dad wasn't happy with him and pleased and all this kind of stuff. And, and these were the lies I believed in my own marriage. Because, see, I didn't think I was measuring up. Wow. Right? And so it wasn't necessarily stuff my wife said. It's the way I interpreted stuff that was said and then became a belief about myself. Right? So we're watching this movie, and it's, you get the end of the movie. You're like, man, that was, that was just an inspirational movie, and you think it was great. And then everyone goes to bed, and then you are sitting there again. And when you're in that space, when I was in that space, I only identified with the negative side of the movie. I didn't make the transition to look at the redemptive side of the movie. You know, and so that evening I was sitting in my on my living room and the whole little living room area was all full of clutter because of something else that happened the year before and the house was getting put back together. And, and it was just this moment of, I got up and then in the midst of the chaos, which I have now learned that I don't like things that are out of order because that is a sign of what? Being yeah. out of control. Yeah. yeah. So I like to control my environments, right? And so in the midst of trying to organize and put stuff away, I ended up grabbing a box of matches and I lit some boxes that were on our covered patio and I lit them on fire. And I don't even really remember doing it. It was those moments of just kind of like, I'm not going to say disconnect because then people think you're psychotic, right? But it was a moment of disconnect. And that happened. That was my like big breakdown in my life. And fire does what it does. It spread. And I couldn't, put it out because there were reasons it couldn't be put out with our, well, I won't get all those details, but there was just, there wasn't any water available on our patio because hoses were put away and it was just one of those things. Right. So I couldn't stop it, but I had to get everyone out of the house and in our townhouse and I had to get our neighbors out. And it was just this crazy moment of chaos that was going on. I was like, how the hell did I get here? Like, yeah. who was that guy that did that? That was, that's not me. You said out of character. You're like, I don't do stuff like that. Mm-hmm. When you're in the midst of survival mode and stuff like that, and you, you, I call it living out of the basement of your brain, your subconscious, and all this stuff going on, there aren't clear thoughts. There isn't reason happening. You know, and that was a horrible thing that happened in my life and the life of my community where I lived in Lakewood. And just, it was just, it was awful. Wow. So you lost everything. You burnt the house and you went, and you went to prison for that? Well, yeah. So we, we pretty much lost everything in our unit and a couple units next to ours, right? And, then we ended up living with my mother-in-law for a while. And it was just this thing of like turning that situation over to God was really what took my controlling the situation off because I knew I was screwed. I just knew it was not going to be good. But I had to protect my family and just all the stuff going on, right? But, but as I started stepping more and more into releasing control to God and trusting God with this process, then amazing things started happening. Even though the the moment was awful, the situation was awful, God's stories that resulted from that, at least in our lives, um, were just were just mind blowing in so many ways that, you know, my wife and I still need to write the book about what God did in the midst of the fire. And but yeah, later on, just long story short, as things went on, you know, I ended up getting sentenced to prison 
I was looking at two years of work release to 56 years in prison and just turned that over to God in the journey. And he opened doors and closed doors. And, but it was while I was away. And now my wife, we've talked about Jen, mentioned her a couple of times, right? She had to go through her own exploration and journey with God. Absolutely. Uh, I, is, was my husband psychotic? What happened? How did he get over here? And so she had to deal with God himself mm-hmm. in prayer and meditation. No matter all the messages coming from friends or family and stuff, she had to like kind of like clear them out mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and just focus. And through God's grace and everything and his mercy, she decided to stay with me and we worked through it. And we still have re- re- like collateral damage from that moment of time. But you know, I went to prison. I was only gone for 10 and a half months. Wow. Amazing. You know, and halfway house for 11 and then got my life back on track. So, but Come through on. all that, I was able to really focus on who does God say I am? Come on. Control is an illusion. And what is God calling me to for a higher purpose in my life? And over time, that became very clear of what that is supposed to be and is now. But it, it took, like, again, we can look back on that and say, God, if I would have done this, I wouldn't have gone to prison. I don't know. Was was that the line we talked about in the beginning in the book, the addiction intervention book? It's like A to B, you know, but all through the middle of it is everything else in the chaos. And was that chaos, am I, was that, did God allow that to happen for his bigger purpose in my life and calling he had me to do? I'm going to say yes, because if I say anything, then I'm trying to play God, like, well, that shouldn't have happened, or that wasn't his plan A for you, or I don't know. But I'm not going to bog myself down with the whys. I'm just going to be like, okay, I chose to make that the biggest mistake in my life, the greatest opportunity in my life to grow and figure out who I am and live from that. And I'm not perfect every day by any means. You can ask my wife and kids, but there go I, you know, and I just got to remember that, that when I see, when I see people on the news now arrested or something like that, and I'm like, I used to be like, what an idiot. That was so stupid. Now I just want to know. What the hell happened in their life to get them yes. to that place? Because that, yes. that, I don't know. Like, there's a story behind the news story. Yes. And I was yeah. on the news. They had my name flashed over and all this stuff. And I was like, oh, great. Everyone knows. And guess what? Everybody didn't know. Everyone doesn't watch the news. Right. Man. Oh, wow. Wow. So powerful, man. So much in there. You just hear it. Um, but I do. I want to shout out one. I want to shout out uh, supporting wives. Wives who take time to uh, to remove the chatter, remove the naysayers, and tap into what God has to say to them about mm-hmm. um, their their husbands uh, or what's going on in that situation. Um, brother, I, I, I know what you feel like. You know, I know what that that experience feels like because um, just for myself, you know, um, I found myself locked up in county lockup and uh, facing a three year felony conviction. But I served I served sixty days in county lockup. And um, all I could think about at that moment in time was me, me, me. I hadn't even considered what my wife was going through. And so many men at this place, we try, we worried about us, but we ain't thinking about uh, the people that we love the most. And that that's so important. Um, and so to your point, I am thankful for a wife uh, who graciously loved me um, and supports me. Um, for sure. Um, but more importantly, as a man, I believe that as men, we have to identify one, what this health, healthy masculinity looks like to us. But more importantly, where do we believe God is leading us? How do we get hold of what God has to say to us? Um, and so we can walk out this God given purpose. And we, I think we fall victim to the lie all mm-hmm. the time. 
We don't believe that uh, we don't believe in ourselves. And that very word, man, such a powerful word, B-E-L-I-E-V-E, dead smack in the middle in that word is the word lie. And we gravitate to that versus getting hold or gravitating to what God truly has to say about you. Because at the end of the day, you you wonderfully and true, uh, wonderfully and fearfully made, Mm. Uh, you know, you know, I know the plans that I have for you to prosper you. You you know, um, there's so much there, uh, my friend. But I do want to I want to I want to close it out with this question right here. Uh, And that is and and I I I see this. I really see this. Why you say you've been lifted from the rut. Right. And and the six steps to lift it. What's lifted mean to you, and why is it important um, for, for the intervention process of uh, restoring hope, identity, and purpose for people? Man, what what yeah. lifted? One thing I want to say, like um, when I look at uh, something that I want to answer that, but I want to I want to I want to throw something out about shame real quick because this is really important because God's just saying you got to say this. So I'm just going to say this and. And people can go buy the addiction intervention book and read the six steps about intervention and stuff like that. But in the supportive wife thing is very important, right? And, and, and supportive husband, depending on, you know, what's going on, just supporting each other, right? But for such a long time, like even going to prison and coming out of prison and stuff like that, I was still upset about a lot of things. You know, I didn't get marriage counseling in prison and stuff like that. And I came out and I would say these things that were very hurtful to my wife. I would say, well, yeah, well, we got there together. Like, if you wouldn't have done this, I wouldn't have done that. And it was this blame shifting, right, of just, like, shaming their person. And and that went on for a while. I was like, well, yeah, but I, I never would have gotten there if it wasn't for, if you didn't do this. Right. And it was, it was such a bad place until I got, we got professional help. And all of a sudden, the shift happened for me. You're, you talk about shifting a lot, right? The shift happened where it was like, yeah, you know what? You may have said that, but I took it on. Like, I'm, I am 100% responsible for Rob. Right. And if my faith and everything is strong enough that I can step in as a confident man of God and, and step into those shoes and rise up. And again, if anything comes against that, it's false. Right. So until we had professional help, I was able to make that shift that I'm responsible for me. And guess what? You're responsible for you. And if both people can take responsibility for their part in the relationship, it can become a beautiful relationship. Right. Absolutely. And that is, I'd say how I can say I got lifted and out of my own way because mm. I was too, I was too blind and in, 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 and in my own pain that I wanted to blame other people for my issues until I take responsibility for me. Then I was able to step into that. And so, but that's part of the addiction intervention process too, is you got to take ownership for your own stuff. You can't just blame the addict. You can't blame mom and dad for your addictions and stuff like that. It's easy to do. But when each person can own their side of it and put up healthy boundaries, the healthy boundaries part's really important. Then a lot of cool things can happen, whether the other side of the coin doesn't get help at all either. At least you yourself can get whole, get happy, because that's really only thing we can control is ourselves, not other people. So true. You you can't you can't fix anybody else. You can't make anybody else do anything. The only person you can work on is you. That's one on one leadership right there. The first person you got to learn to lead is you, my friend. Um, this was fun, phenomenal conversation, Rob. Uh, I appreciate you again taking time for us. The addiction intervention. Where can they find the book, my friend? Amazon. You can go to Amazon and find the addiction intervention book. And there's another one out there called 101 Reasons to Quit Getting Drunk During the Holidays. 
And the funny thing about addicts is a holiday is every day. So, wow. Good stuff. All right. Um, this was good. Hey, Rob, tell them where they can find you, where they can follow you on social, uh, on your social media links, um, um, and learn more about what you do. Yeah. If you just go to lifted from the rut, that's with one T.com. You can find everything on there between speaking engagements, books, free resources, all of those things. And if you just go look up Rob Lohman, not connected to the Detroit Lions, but the other good looking guy, um, then no, I'm, I'm like, I, I'm all over the place. So just kind of, you can look me up, but uh, just go to freerecoverybook.com and download your free resource I have there, which changes every now and then too. So you can always go back another day and check it out again. But hey man, God bless you, Dwayne. Thanks for all you do and bless your efforts and bless your show and everything you're doing to help change lives as, as well. Thank you, my friend. Hey, listen, fam, go check him out. Um, freerecoverybook.com. Go pick up the book, The Addiction Intervention. I promise you, um, you won't be disappointed. Um, as you always hear me say, realize this, that uh, you have everything you need to take your life to the next level simply because your success is in your hands. Listen, family, have a phenomenal day with purpose. God bless. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Leadership Podcast with Dwayne Roberts. We hope you found inspiration and practical wisdom that will help you in your leadership journey. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform and leave us a review. We love to hear your feedback and suggestions for future episodes. Remember, true leadership begins with you. Leadership is not a position. Leadership is not a title. Leadership is having positive influence on others. Keep shifting. Keep growing. Keep leading with purpose. You can stay connected with Dwayne Roberts on all the social media platforms or by visiting our website, DwayneHRoberts.com. We want to say thank you. Remember, you have everything you need to make the leaders shift in your life. That's because your success is in your hands. Till next time, God bless you.